Amen. Amen, Lord. That is going to be a glorious day. I don't think there's a day that I preach that I don't mention that in some way. Lord, what a glorious day it's going to be. And Father, I pray just the lyrics of that song, Lord, that people in the world would know that because you came, you loved us. You loved us so much. Even while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Father, I wish the world, and I pray that the world would know that dying, by your dying, you saved us, and you carried our sins far away. Praise the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then by your rising, it has been proven that you paid the penalty for our sin as the Father raised you from the dead, and we have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you and praise you for that. To you be the glory, Lord. We praise your holy name. Father, today we say and we know, according to your scriptures, that you're coming again to get us. The next most important promise in the Bible is the, is the rapture. Lord, where you're never going to touch ground, you're just going to come in the air and pick up your saints, those that were dead, and in the grave, their bodies will be raised up to meet their spirits that are with you in the air. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet you in the, in the clouds, Lord. That's what 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 is all about. And you told us to comfort one another with this promise. And Lord, we do today. Thank you for living. Thank you for dying. Thank you for rising. And thank you for choosing us. We certainly didn't deserve it. But to you be the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, for those who just tuned in, we're at Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. We're a full gospel Bible preaching church. And, uh, you know, you can check us out on our website, freedomchurchpb.org. Freedomchurchpb.org. P stands for Palm, and B stands for Beach, because we're in Palm Beach, Florida. So um, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road. If you're local, you know, just go on 95. Get off at High Paluxo, head west a quarter mile. We're on the north side of the road. As I mentioned um, all the time, Boynton Beach north border is High Paluxo Road, and, Bo and La uh, Lantana's south border is High Paluxo Road. So we're right on the north border of Boynton Beach and the south border of, of um, Lantana. And just come by and see us if you're local. We're here every Thursday night at... 7:45, doing expositional studies today. You get your Bible out. We're in Philippians chapter three, okay? So get your Bible out. And uh, for those of you that want to tune in Sunday, we air live also freedomchurchpb.org at 10 a.m. At 10 a.m. We'll we'll be in uh, Matthew chapter 12 this week. You know, I thought I was going to finish this chapter. You know, this will be the third week in in. Uh, chapter 12, but, you know, I'm going to get about maybe three to five verses this week, and then we'll be in chapter 12 next week. You know what that tells you? When you spend four, five, six weeks in a chapter, that means you're not climbing on the top of the surface. That means you're digging, 
That means you're digging deep into the Word of God. And that means growth for you as a Christian and for me as a Christian. So we dig in, in deep. You know, a lot of people don't, don't want the surface stuff. And that's okay. You want to be a Christian and float on the surface, that's fine. But I want my scuba gear on, and I want to dive for the pearls in the Word of God. And I hope you feel the same way. So, so come on and study with us, expositional studies we've been doing. Um, let's see, bring a friend, even those online. You know, on Sunday at 10 a.m., invite your family over to the house and watch, watch church. You know what? Our website, freedomchurchpb.org, you can find out what we believe in. You can find out our address. You can find out the list of ministries that we have. You can watch past services, and you can even donate online. I tell everybody, a lot of people, this is their home church, but they're not in this state. You know, they actually tune in every Sunday. We're their main source. And uh, I tell them, we are your home church, and your home church gets your tithe. If your church is not Freedom Church, you, you know, you can, your tithe goes to them. And if you want to give gifts and offerings, we thank you for it. You know, we, we support uh, missionaries. You know, and we love the Word of God. That's, that's one thing for sure. And if you love the Word of God, that means you're madly in love with Jesus because Jesus is the Word of God. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? He was in the beginning with God, and uh, he was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. And Hebrews, and I think I'm going to touch on it either tonight or Sunday, Hebrews uh, 1, 3 says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's the prize we're going to be studying about tonight. He's the exact representation of God's nature, and Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Colossians says that he holds all things together. Scientists can't figure out why an atom stays together. You know what? It's in the grip of Jesus, that's why. And when, when we're done, if this is all over, all Jesus has got to do is release his grip and boom. I heard on the radio today one of my favorite preachers, and he said that the Hubble telescope, you know, was aimed. They, they, they look out at all the stars, and they see all the stars stars and they hone in on the one particular star they find out that it's a whole galaxy that's so far away and then they hone they decided well let's see we'll we'll we'll, we'll humble in on a place where there are no stars and they get the the humble telescope and they hone into a place where they can't see any stars with their naked eye and all of a sudden they see galaxies more galaxies and god formed them all by the by the breath from his mouth Oh, man, do we serve a great God or what? Amen, amen. So this is what Freedom Church is all about. You know, our, our uh, the, let's see, the motto for this church would be, it's all about Jesus. So thank you. Um, as I said, tune in Sunday at 10 a.m., tune in Thursday nights at 7.15, and also, men, if you're local, we have a great Bible study. Several churches are represented here. Even a pastor from, from one of the churches are, is here, and uh, we have a great time. I do not teach that. I did last week, and I'm probably going to continue this week, study that I didn't finish. But I'm trying to train the guys to teach so that they can start a Bible study or find out if that's their calling and teaching. We're supposed to make disciples, not just lead them to Christ, but make disciples. And so a disciple is a follower, and a disciple is a learner, and a learner is a teacher. So you're growing in grace. So that's all I have to say about that. We're glad you're here.
Tune in Sunday, and then tune in next Thursday night. Get your Bibles out. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We did about eight verses last week. I'm going to pick up, you know, somewhere between the eighth and the ninth verse, and I'm going to read. I don't want to go, yeah, maybe I better. It's been, you know, a lot of people forget what we even taught last week. I'm going to go through real quick. The name of the message last week was, was was uh, pressing on towards the goal. That's what Paul Paul's doing. He's pressing on towards the goal. Um, he and the and the Judaizers are chasing him down. There, Paul is taking is talking to the Judaizers in his first verses. You know, he's calling them dogs. You know, they Jews hated to be called a dog. It was a Gentile that was the dog. He's calling them evil workers because they they um, they couldn't understand why Jesus would be healing on Sabbath day. You know, they were enemies of the cross, Paul is saying. They're enemies of the cross. You know, the four points about Christians also in verse 3 and 4 is we are the true circumcision. The circumcision in the New Testament, is the cutting away of the flesh from your heart. It is not physical circumcision to a male. It is the cutting away of the flesh from your heart. That means you're no longer part of this world. You've cut this world out. The carnality is supposed to be gone. You are the true circumcision. He says that we are worshipers of God because we worship Him in spirit and truth now. We worship in the spirit and truth. We don't say humdrum, repetitious prayers. We we pray like he's our friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, says Psalm 18, the last verse. He's a friend that sticks closer to brother. We we are to worship in spirit and truth so we can get bring any of our problems before him. We can bring any of our sins before him. We can bring any of our any anything before him. Can he wants us to? He loves to have fellowship with each and every one of us. He also, another four points about Christians here, is we rejoice in Christ. Paul says, you know, even in Philippians next chapter, verse 4 and chapter 4, he's going to tell us that we rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. We're always to rejoice in the Lord. You are headed to hell. Do you realize that? You are headed for the kingdom of Satan. Do you realize that? And now you're headed for the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. This is the prize. I'm going to go into that. Heaven, Jesus, the prize. Number four, about, you know, four points about a Christian here. We put no confidence in this flesh. No confidence in this flesh. You might be a gifted artist, but you shouldn't have confidence in your flesh. You should have confidence in him who gave you that ability to to draw or paint whatever it is. Personally, I can't stand uh, Vincent Van Gogh's paintings. But you know what? For some reason, God allowed people to be attracted to his style. You know, it wasn't him. It's God. It always comes back to God. I used to be a professional sign painter. And I know my gift came from God. I know it did. And, I, you know, my style, just people liked it. People liked the layout. So I know it wasn't me. It was God 
allowing them to see something in the gift that he gave me that would attract them to me to support a business and a family. You know, it's God. Have no confidence in this flesh. 2 Corinthians, you know, 5, um, 15 through 17. I'm going to read it for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 through 17. And he died for all that those who should live have no longer should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You were supposed to be living for Jesus, not for you, not for yourself. We're spo- we Christians have a light touch, a light grasp on this world. We're in this world, but we're not all of this world anymore. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him no longer him in the flesh no longer. That's what that means, thus no longer. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Before Behold, all things have become new. You know that 17th verse. You know what? The prior verses tell you that we should live no longer for ourselves. The, this, the 16th verse says that, that we should regard one another, not regard one another in the flesh. Because we're spiritual beings now. You got saved. Your spirit, before you were saved, your spirit was dead. And then you got saved and realized and received Jesus as Savior, confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you were saved, and your spirit, man, came alive. Your spirit, man, came alive. And then now there's a struggle going on because your flesh man wants a war against the spirit man because he doesn't want to give up his alcohol, drugs, um, lusts, or whatever it is. So there's always a war going on. That's Galatians 5, 7, 5, 17. Always a war going on. We're, we're to crucify the flesh. Now the spirit man's supposed to be in charge. But man, in a lot of Christians, even you know, the, the, the flesh man is in charge. That flesh man is controlling the spirit man when it's supposed to be the other way around. If you liken the spirit man and the, and the flesh man as, as the two entities that they are, let, let the, let, um, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now, let me quote it. May the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete until the coming of Christ. Okay? So that there verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, tells you that we are a triune being, just like God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which you see in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3. You see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you could picture... The spirit man, you being in charge of your body, opening up a valve in the spirit man so that the valve, the spirit just flows through the flesh, the carnality body, and just washes out all the junk within it. That's the way it's supposed to be. But a lot of Christians don't want to open that valve. You should be opening it full blast. Full blast. But some Christians just want to unloose it a little bit. They get a little trickle, a little trickle from the spirit man into the carnal man, and that's not going to do it. 
You need to read your word, the word of God. You need to study the word of God. You need to go to church. You need to listen to the word of God, you know, um, every moment of the day. You know, today I was driving to Fort Lauderdale, and I'll tell you what, one of the preachers that I like, he's, he's good, very good, but I never really got attracted to him that much. But today I was driving to Fort Lauderdale, and, man, he had a powerful sermon. Man, I was in tears driving to Fort Lauderdale. I was wondering why the phone calls I make, I usually make calls when I'm driving. Nobody answered. So I left radio, and he took off, and I'm there like, wow, did I need to hear that. Anyway, you got you got to open up that valve in the spirit man that was saved, which is what Jesus called born again in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. You must be born again. That's the spirit man came to life. Because before you were a Christian, your spirit man was dead, dead, dead. Now he's alive, alive, alive. And he's the reason why you're going to heaven. So, we've got to get out of this flesh and realize, we've got to quit thinking. You know, I, I touched on a little on Sunday about on Mother's Day a little bit. It was about, you know... Um, when, when, a, when a person is behind the pulpit, when a person is, is ministering to someone, he's operating in the spirit man, and therefore in the spirit man there's no, f- no, no, what can I say? There's no male, there's no female. There's no bond and there's no free. There's no black and there's no white. It's, it's just the spirit man. When you when you're a Christian and you're warring in the spirit, God sees you as a mighty warrior with a shield of faith and a sword of the spirit along with your armor that you're already dressed in. There is no male. There is no female. All we're supposed to do is go out and make disciples. And that should be an easy chore, but it's not. So, that's pretty much, you know, uh, what Paul had to say except verse 5 and 6. He says, that he had confidence in the flesh before he got saved. And a lot of people, even Christians today, they have confidence in their flesh. Hey, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're an artist, don't have confidence in the flesh. Have confidence in the God who gave you that gift. Paul had, Paul had great confidence in the flesh. He was from the stock of Israel. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, an important tribe. You know, he spoke... The, the right languages. He spoke Greek and Hebrew and probably Latin. He was definitely at least bilingual. Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he was dedicated. He was a Pharisee. He was a Hellenizer. He was a Greek-speaking Jew, full-blooded. No, father was a, was a Roman. And his mother was a, was a Jew. He was a, the stock of Israel. He was so of the stock of Israel, he persecuted the church, and he was involved when Stephen was stoned to death. Paul was a, was a self-righteous man before he met Jesus Christ. So the 8th verse, and to the 10th verse, I'm going to read. Of, turn back to Philippians chapter 3, the 8th the through the 10th verse. And we'll read. This is our study tonight. And our study tonight is named, Keep Your Eyes on the Prize. A lot of Christians, they, they have their eyes on this world. They want that million-dollar mansion on the French Riviera. They want, they want 
They want uh, this and they want that. They want a boat. They want a trailer. You know, they want the, the, all, the, all the luxuries of home. I can tell you one thing. If you're a Christian and you want a bird on a boat to go fishing, you're going to end up missing church on Sunday. That's just the way it is. I've watched a lot of Christians over my 44 years of being a Christian. You know, I watched them fall away because it takes slow before you know it. You know, they won't, they won't, won't go fishing on Sunday. And then before you know it, as time goes by, they start, oh, I'll go fishing this once time. And then before you know it, they're fishing every Sunday. Before you know it, they're buying a cottage on the, on the beach. And then they're fishing every day. And the Word of God just gets buried under all that junk. I had a friend talk to me today. He says, Joe, Pastor Joe, I envy you. I said, why do you envy me? He said, because your job, you can pick up the Bible at any time and read the Bible. I says, yeah, that's, that's true. But he says, I have to fit it into my schedule. <laughs> you know, and I'm there like, wow, I never thought of it that way. Okay, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and to be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ the righteousness which comes from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Boy, there's that, 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 you could have a message right on that for an hour, easy. But listen, Paul is saying in comparison to to. Uh, Gaining Christ was all things were unimportant. Once he met Christ, everything else was just a fade away. You know, it's faded away. You know, now he, he got Christ, you know, and he, he has great gain now. Everything that was prior in his life, his fleshly life was, was, was unimportant anymore once he met Christ on that road to Damascus. You know, we looked at Paul's telling him he lost all things. What did he lose? He could have lost his best friend. You know, he was a Pharisee, and from my studies of Scripture, a Pharisee had to be married. Now, either his wife was dead and he was a widower, or maybe she left him because she thought he was cuckoo because he's following Christ. The one he was, he was chasing down and murdering Christians, like Stephen he persecuted the church of Christ, going after them with zeal. He could have lost his wife. He could have lost all, all of his family. He could have, he probably, most likely, he did lose his job. He didn't have, was a tent maker to help support himself in his ministry. What did he, he had a great loss of all things, Paul says. But in comparison to gaining Christ, those things are unimportant to him. What did Paul gain here then? Here's what he gained. This is our study tonight. Paul gained a new knowledge. He gained a new knowledge. What was that knowledge? He met the author of all knowledge. 
he met the author of all knowledge, Jesus Christ, on the road to Damascus. And he didn't question him. When he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus Christ, whom you are persecuting. Right there, he's received the knowledge. He, he met the author of knowledge, the author of wisdom. Paul's learning that righteousness is not coming by his self-righteousness, but it's a righteousness that comes from God through Christ Jesus. Paul gained a new righteousness then. He got a new knowledge, but now he's got a new righteousness, and it's not his. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should have no righteousness of your own because Isaiah 64, 6 says that your righteousness is as filthy rags before God. It's filthy. It's stinky. It's smelly. Your righteousness is filthy rags before God. And Isaiah, and Isaiah comes up and says, you know, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are red as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they'll be red like scarlet, like, like uh, scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Come on, we're, you should have no righteousness of yourself. You aren't going to heaven because you're a school teacher. You aren't going to heaven because you have, you know, you're a, a Sunday school teacher. You're not going to heaven because you, you sing in the choir. You're not going to heaven because you're the worship leader of the church. You're not going to heaven because you're the pastor of the church. You're going to heaven because Jesus Christ saved you by grace through faith. That's it. Your righteousness from now on, just like Paul's, you have a new righteousness, and that is in Christ Jesus. Number three, Paul gained a new power. He had the Sanhedrin backing him up to go get the Christians and round them up and throw them in jail and even have them martyred. He, he found a new power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That power, the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, and I, a few weeks back, I taught on it. He's called El Shaddai. El Shaddai. The all-powerful God. Now, he had an old goal, chase down Christians, throw them in jail. Now he has a new goal. It's called Heaven's Pride. Verses 3, Philippians 3, verses 1, 11 through 17. You'll tell us that his resurrection, you know, there's a resurrection from the dead coming. Paul was a Pharisee. He believed in life after death. Now he found out that that life comes through Jesus Christ. He is the prize of heaven. He has a new goal to get to heaven, not through his own righteousness, but through Jesus Christ's righteousness. Number five of the things he gained in return for his loss. He gained a new hope. He's no longer a citizen of Rome. He's a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, just like you and me. You're not a citizen of the United States of America. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Paul had no confidence in the flesh. That means here, look at what that, that means he gave up his will, he gave up his rights, he gave up his control, he gave up his religion, he gave up his reputation, he gave up his righteousness for Christ's righteousness. Neither should we. 
we should have a light grasp on this world just like the Apostle Paul had. This world should have no grip on us, but it does. You know, when I was in Bible college, and it really upset me, this one guy, he was a mop, I would imagine him, he was a surgeon, he was a surgeon, an active surgeon, still in, in, you know, in study. He wrote a book. I, you know, he brought them in to give them out. I didn't even take one because this was the name of the book. What to do with your assets, you know, when Jesus comes back. How to set up your assets when Jesus comes back. Listen, when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back during the rapture, okay? He's going to come back for seven years. Who cares about the seven years of you gaining a condo on the French Riviera? You know, because after three and a half years of the, of the tribulation, they're all... H-E-L-L is going to break loose. All hell is going to break loose because the Antichrist is going to defame the altar and the temple in Jerusalem. And the Jews are going to figure out, this is the Antichrist. Jesus is the Christ. They're going to look on the one whom they pierced. And it's not just the Jews that pierced Jesus. We sang it tonight. It's us. It wasn't just the Jews. It wasn't the Romans. It was me. It was you. That's a story about all men, not just just one particular uh, group of people. Here's the application. Putting Christ first is all that is necessary for us, to us, for all believers. Also, our righteousness now comes from Christ. You know what? If your righteousness comes from Christ, I always say it, you will do more good works in the spirit than you ever would do in the flesh. So once you become a Christian, I really believe that you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, not with your head, but with your heart, you will be saved, and you will do greater works through the spirit man than you ever would through the carnal man, even if you were a multimillionaire. You know 1 Corinthians 5.21. I quote it a lot because it's such an important verse. For he hath made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How are you made righteous? Through Jesus Christ. How was Paul made righteous? Not by chasing Christians down and throwing them in jail. He was made righteous because he met Jesus Christ on a road to Damascus. He asked him who he was. He received that. And he, and, he believe, and he believed in his heart. And three days later, Ananias was told to go there, lay his hands on him because he was sick. I mean, he was blind and he wasn't eating and he wouldn't drink until God answered him. He was committed. And he is committed all the days of his life. And Paul, God told Ananias, you must go there even though you're afraid of him because he's going to be a great witness for me and I'm going to show him how much he must suffer. Listen, Paul suffered great losses of all things, but he gained, remember, he gained new knowledge, new righteousness, new power, a new goal in life, and a new hope. Jeremiah 23, 9.23. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. So you wise men out there, don't glory in your wisdom. 
If you're a Christian, your wisdom comes from God. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Now, you think you're strong? You know, Hulk Hogan can't do any damage to God. I'm going to tell you that right now. There's just no way. Nor let any rich man glory in his riches. Your riches are useless before God. You know the scriptures. He owns the hills and the cattle on the hills. He owns the universe. He knows every star by its name. We can't even count the stars. Remember the Hubble telescope thing? Listen, we can't even count them. Jesus knows them by name. I can't even remember the person I met last week. Verse 24, but let him who, re, who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. This is what you're to glory in, that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is God talking here. We're to know God. And how do you know God? Through Jesus Christ. God told Philip in Philippians and John chapter 14, Philip asked him, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, I've been so long with you, you don't recognize me? Even Nicodemus, you know, he knew the scriptures. Uh, you know, kiss the Son, Psalm 2. We're to kiss the Son. We're to glory in His glory. Let His, he, us glory in Him. Verse 24, part B. That He understands and knows me. Not only... You glory in Him, but you know Him. You know Him intimately. And I, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. Wow. Our scriptures are so beautiful. You know what? As soon as I read that verse, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of, of Zechariah 4.6. You remember that verse? It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's by the Holy Spirit. Our wisdom is foolishness before God. That's just all there is to it. Here's Paul. Well, let's go to that. 19th verse, I think it's the 19th, the 23rd verse again. That I am the Lord which exercises, number one, loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. We know what Jesus said in John chapter 16. John. Chapter 16. I didn't intend to go to this verse, but here we are. John chapter 16, verse 8 and 9. And when He comes, who's He? The Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Exactly what Jeremiah is saying. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment of sin because they did not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. 
and of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Wow. Paul is pressing on towards the goal, the prize. You know what? When you get to heaven, I don't know anybody that's a good Christian that would say they can't wait to see the rainbow above the throne or they can't wait to see the galaxies or they can't wait to see their mother and father. You know what they say? I can't wait to see Jesus. They had a love for Jesus. He's the prize of heaven. He's the attraction. If you were going to go to Cedar Point in Ohio, you know, they said uh, they used to be, and I don't know if it's true now, I had the, the fastest and highest roller coaster in the world. People went there just because of that. Listen, that's why we're going to heaven, because Jesus is there. Verse 11. If by any means I obtain to a righteousness from the dead, not that I have already attained or am ready to already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as apprehending it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which things are ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know what really hit me out of that? Paul said that in the, in the thir- 12th verse, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. You know what that tells me? God laid hold of each and every one of you that are Christians because he had a special purpose for you and I to do. He had a special purpose for us. You know, he laid hold of Paul for a special purpose, and he laid hold of you and me for a special purpose. I hope we're doing that special purpose. Whatever it was and whatever it is, you should desire to fulfill that calling. If he called you as a missionary, go to missions. If he called you as a teacher in the church, be a teacher. If he called you as a pastor or an elder or a deacon or an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor teacher, then do it. Find out what he laid hold of you for. What is it? For worship? Are you a worship leader? Are you an administrator? Do it. Follow it. One thing he does. There's actually five things he does, according to my studies. Number one is that he for, uh, he forgets the ground that he has cover, uh, covered in the race. You know, in an athlete, Second Timothy, chapter two, and verse five. Second Timothy, chapter two, verse five. Let me read 3 through 5, okay? 
You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one entangled, engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Verse 5, And so, if anyone competes as an athlete, he must he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. We have to compete according to the rules, and we do have a rule book right here. We know that we're not supposed to take the Lord our God and the name of the Lord our God in vain. We know we're supposed to have no other gods before him. We know that we're supposed to honor our father and mother. We know that we're not allowed to we're not to lie. We have we have some precedents here to set. If you truly you know, have have made a commitment to the Lord, you should be that ground, you start, you should be recovering as you're running this race. You should get victory over certain sins, whichever ones they were that the Holy Spirit convicted you of, because he He's the one that convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So when you got saved, He's going to be convicting you of sin. Not condemning you, convicting you, says Romans 8.1. Okay? So, you know, you got to, to make progress in your walk with the Lord. And as you make progress, you can forget that would lie behind on that area, but you have covered in, in that race. And you keep on pressing on towards the try for towards the prize. And also you gotta remember that you gotta compete according to the rules, and this is the rules. I mentioned it one time. I know a guy that he won a race first place down at Morosa. You know, he won first place. I won't give you his name or anything, but he won first place. And when they checked his car out, they find out that he, he didn't obey the rules, so they disqualified him. I don't want that to happen to me. I know you don't want that to happen to you, to compete and then be disqualified. Paul says, keep your eyes on that prize. Don't get disqualified by other things that come up. And we're always going to, to uh, sin. We're, we're sinners. We're going to be sinners. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, and if you look at the verb, it means continually, if we confess our sins, he is continually forgiving us our sins. That's the verb context of, of the verb there. He continually forgives. Because if he didn't, we're sinners. You can sin, with, sin in a thought in a moment like that. We gotta, we gotta know that we, we are forgiven and we will be saved. But the point is, we have a responsibility. Here's First Corinthians nine twenty seven, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. That after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified. I discipline my flesh. To bring it into slavehood so that after I preach the gospel to other people, you, that I'm not disqualified because I don't do what it says. I want to do what it says, and I hope every preacher wants to do it, and I hope every Christian wants to do it. Do what the Bible says because you don't want to be disqualified. So, we forget the ground you have covered 
in the race. All that was past since you were born again. Number two, you reach forth to that which, which is before you in the race. You reach forward. You keep on striving to get to God. You know, people though. You know, people come up with words like, and it says biblical sanctification. Do you know there's three types of sanctification? There's positional sanctification. When you accepted Jesus Christ, you are now positioned as as sanctified. But then there's progressional sanctification. That's the dash between your birth date and your death date. The dash is during that period you are progressing in your faith. You're becoming more like Jesus. And then there's perfected sanctification. That's when you're dead and gone. Your your sanctification has been perfected and you are now in the perfect kingdom of God by your perfection that is in Christ Jesus as you walk this life. There's more to it than just taking that word, oh, I've been sanctified. Yeah, you've been sanctified. That's your position, but you have progression to do in your life, that dash, and then when you're dead, you're, you're, you're perfected because now you're in the kingdom of God and you've been made perfect and complete. Your body is now incorruptible. Number three, you press on towards the mark. I press on towards the prize, Paul says. Which is, I mentioned earlier, this is the goal. The goal is Jesus. The prize is Jesus. The attraction is Jesus to the kingdom of heaven. Number five, one thing you do is you don't want to get disqualified or cast away. Because during that dash, Galatians 5.17 happens. The flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh, so you don't do the things that you want to do because the flesh gravitates towards the dark side. Verse 15, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of one mind. Brethren, join in following my example. This is Paul talking. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. Remember how this chapter started? He's talking about his Jewish friends, the, the, uh, the, you know, the uh, Pharisees. He called them dogs. He's weeping over, over them. He's weeping because they're evil workers. They're enemies of the cross. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you, weeping, that they are enemies of the cross those whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who, their, who set their mind on earthly sing, things. Paul is weeping in his spirit for his 
Judaizer friends. And as I've been studying the scriptures and you're thinking, you heard about, you know, Paul's thorn in the flesh. And I might have mentioned this a couple times, maybe even recently. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. A lot of people think it was a physical thorn. His eyesight, he had malaria, you know, all these different things. They think it was. But it could be that the thorn in Paul's flesh was the Pharisees, the Judaizers that followed him everywhere and caused him big problems. They followed him to Lystra, and they turned Lystra against Paul to the point where they dragged him out of the city and stoned him to death. See, this, that could have been his biggest thorn. People that were coming against him. People that, that were, do, were enemies of the cross. People that were evil workers. That could be Paul's thorn in the flesh. It very well could be. Because we're not told if it's physical. We're not told that it's physical. It could have been spiritual. And that was it. They, they caused him big problems. He was flogged. He ended up, ended up going to Rome. He was, he was stoned to death. So he's saying that these people, he's going to end this chapter the same way he started with the Judaizers. And he's saying they're enemies of the cross. First, Second Corinthians 11, 14 and 15 says, For such are false apostles, they're deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no, and no marvel, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He's telling you this. They're enemies of the cross. They look like apostles. You know, they, they, uh, they're deceitful workers. Number two, facts about false teachers. Their end is destruction. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 8. But that which bears, beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. It's a terrible thing to be an enemy of a cross. Number three, their goal is their belly. Romans 16, 18 says this. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and by fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. He's telling them they're cunning, they're wise. Jesus said, you know, they're, they're vipers, they're, they're, they're devils, you know. They're going to be burned someday. They come with good words. The devil comes like an angel of light. He's not a little red man in a suit with pointy, pointy tail and a red pitchfork. He comes like an angel of light, deceiving people. They're enemies of the cross. Number, number four, their glory is in their shame. They call good evil and evil good. They're calling Jesus evil because he would heal a blind man on the Sabbath or a leper on the Sabbath. They're calling him the good that he's doing evil. And that borders, we're going to find out on Sunday, on blasphemy. Matthew chapter 12, which I'm going to spend, impardonable sin is about three, four verses, and we're going to do it. 
They're calling evil good and good evil. God told that said that in Isaiah. Calling good evil and evil good, putting darkness for light and light for darkness, putting bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. These are wrong things. They glory in their own shame. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. They're carnal-minded. That's to their shame. So, Christian, if you're carnal-minded, it's time to grow up and get spiritual. Number five, they, they mind earthly things. 2 Peter 3.3, 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Here's Romans 8.5, just to back that up. For they are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. But they who are after the Spirit, they do the Spirit, things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Last two verses. For our citizenship is in heaven. That's your goal from which we also eagerly wait. That's your prize. And number three, eagerly wait for the Savior. That's your attraction. The Lord Jesus Christ is your prize. Verse 21, Who will transform our lowly bodies that we may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to himself. Listen, what he's saying is, you're a colony of heaven, but you're on earth. Your kingdom is heaven, but you are an ambassador in a foreign land. I mentioned this Sunday. You are an ambassador. You're a high-ranking diplomatic official whose kingdom is heaven, but you are a representative in the colony on, on earth called the United States. Even though you're a citizen of the United States, but you live in the Philippines Islands, the U.S. Philippines that are, that are United States territory, or the Virgin Islands. You're, you're, you're a citizen of the earth, but you're also in a foreign land. You're in a, you're in a, a colony of the United States. And that's what we are now. We're citizens of heaven who live in the earth which is a colony right now of the kingdom of heaven. Someday, the kingdom, well, the kingdom of God really is on earth. The Holy Spirit's here. Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of God has come to earth. He told the Pharisees. You know why? Because he's here. The, the kingdom of heaven is still here on earth because now the Holy Spirit's here. And there's someday that the, that the, the, uh, Holy Spirit will be taken out of the world and then all hell is going to break loose again because no longer is the kingdom of heaven on this earth. The kingdom of God on this earth, you know, it's all in heaven now until the, rap until the second coming when the Lord comes back. So that's a whole study in itself and I don't have any time to, to conquer that one. But that's a complete study in itself. The difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of 
of heaven. So anyway, let's pray. I hope you got something out of this study, you know, and I hope it's you know, get more spiritual and uh, become more like Jesus and seek the prize of Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that Paul tackles some tough issues. And Lord, may whatever we learn from tonight's lesson, Lord, may it be applied to our hearts and may we apply it to our lives. And may you receive the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Tune in Sunday at 10 a.m. Talk to you later. I love you all. And God bless.